Welcome to So You Want to Move to the Country and Raise Goats. This is a podcast about change. Change is all around us and sometimes we're ready for it and sometimes we're not. Change can make us happy, it can make us sad, and for the most part it does make us anxious. When it overwhelms us, well, we just want to move to the country and raise goats. This podcast features stories from people who have gone through change. We hope that their insights will help you better understand and deal with the changes in your life. I'm Peggy Koenig, and along with my co-host, Catherine Greiva, we chat with insightful people with interesting change stories. I'm a longtime entrepreneur and a consultant who fixes people and organizational problems, and Catherine uses her C-suite experience and entrepreneurial spirit to facilitate organizational strategy. We hope you enjoy our podcast. Barb McGrath grew up in a traditional family and expected her career to follow the typical trajectory, security, reliability, and a decent paycheck. She was on that path, happily married with two kids and a dog, working a corporate job in a corporate downtown office, wearing a corporate suit. But there was a rub and Barb started to feel like a square pig in a round hole in her job. She felt there was something better for her and she kept pushing boundaries until she decided it was time to move on. She thought about what she would do if she won the lottery, and the vision became clear while on a family road trip. It took courage, but Barb made the transition from safe corporate job to risky and fulfilling entrepreneurship. Barb offers her insights on knowing her limits on how far she could go as an entrepreneur before she needed to start sending out resumes. Barb's story is one of inspiration, and of following her heart when she knew it was the right time to make the leap. Well, welcome, Barb McGrath. Really nice to have you for our podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Hi, Barb. Great to see you. And I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. It's exciting to be here. And I've even prepared some notes for our conversation today. So I hope I can share some great stories. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. And you're joining us from your home office in Regina. I am. And um, Barb, you you describe yourself as a corporate girl gone rogue, turned entrepreneur way later in life than anyone said you should. There's a lot packed in there. <laughs> so let's start with the corporate girl gone rogue. How did that happen? Absolutely. Uh, you know, growing up, I think the the rules uh, in my family were you were going to go to university, get a good job, uh, climb the ranks within the organization. And, you know, I grew up at a time when there was still an expectation that we stayed with the same organization for a period of time. So I broke all those rules. And, you know, I'm sure if you were to ask my parents, they'd say she's been breaking them from day one. (laughs) It's probably the common thread. But yeah, I I spent a number of years in the corporate world. uh, And I always had visions of being that downtown corporate girl, high heels, pencil skirts. And after having done that for a number of years, I discovered, nope, that's not my calling in life. And that's not what I want to spend my time doing. So what about it wasn't your calling? What about it did you did you think, man, this is not for me anymore? Uh, 
You know, that's a great question. Um, I think we've all heard the analogy of the square peg in the round hole. And I think I was that square peg. I was always the employee in the organization who wanted to do things better, faster, smarter, more efficient. And I don't say that to pat myself myself on the back. That was simply how I was driven. It was always looking for ways to do things different. And change is a really tough thing in large organizations. So I was a little bit of a, a bull in a china shop because I'd come in with those fresh eyes and I'd instantly be seeing, you know, let's do this a little different. Let's improve this so we can make it faster. And that didn't always go over, you know, with a lot of accolades. Sometimes uh, it was the exact opposite. So, Barb, I'm really interested in your comment about breaking rules. Catherine and I have heard a lot from, from our guests about exactly what you talk about. There's an expectation of this linear life, right? You're moving from one dot to the next. Mm -hmm. And indeed, that's not how it happens. And you do have to start breaking rules. So when you started breaking rules, how, I hate to ask you this, how are you feeling about that? I hate those questions. How are you (laughs) feeling about that? I mean, did you have a lot of anxiety? Did you have fear and trepidation as you started down that path? Honestly, Peggy, I think I was more naive than I was anything else because it was was authentically who I was. I didn't see it as breaking rules. I simply saw it as how I was made up. And it wasn't until I was partway through that corporate career that I started to appreciate not everyone saw it the same way. And of course, there's the saying, you know, beg for forgiveness after. Um, And that probably became too much of a common saying, uh, you know, kind of in my corporate world where, you know, sometimes it was okay to to push those boundaries. And and that's who that's who I am. And that's who I was in that environment was let's push the boundaries. And if nothing breaks, let's see if we can just push a little bit more. So, no, I didn't feel anxiety uh, or nervousness because it was so much a part of who I was that I thought that's how this should be, that this was, you know, how things were meant to be. And as I say, I've, I've grown and I've matured and I now appreciate that not everyone sees it that same way. So I, if I'm understanding you, it, it was an intention. You actually, although you say it was inherent it was it was sort of an intentional behavior on your part to push those boundaries absolutely it was yes it was a very conscious decision to keep pushing and pushing uh both in life personal life family life as well as you know in that corporate world it was absolutely who i was and i was i was so comfortable doing it of course not everyone around me with was comfortable with me doing it that can be exhausting too, though, can't it? That constant pushing boundaries, because when you're pushing one way, somebody's pushing back. Mm-hmm. And there's a rub that can be a bit exhausting after a while, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. That's one of the things that I've really had to learn was to find that balance. What could um, what could effectively 
be changed or be improved while at the same time bringing balance to, of course, relationships and family and personal life. Barb, I find often that people make changes because something has triggered them. Something has happened. Did that occur with you? Was there something, an event or an incident that might have happened to trigger you and have you go rogue as you describe it? Yeah, absolutely. There was Catherine. And so for me, I was working for an organization and I was very fortunate that that organization was providing me some flex time uh, in terms of how I did my job. So the organization was a locally owned business and I was doing all of their marketing work. Because we have a child with some unique needs, um, I needed some additional flexibility in my work and home life. And that particular employer was able to provide it. In that situation, I really started to see the potential in terms of the kind of support that local businesses need. And uh, the business that I was working for, they were spread out across Western Canada. So we had... Um, locations in a number of different cities. And I really started to recognize I was one person supporting these many, many locations in Western Canada. And my husband and I were going on holidays and we got talking about the work that I was doing in that organization. And I had kind of hit my ceiling. I had hit the max that I could do for that particular organization. And, and there really wasn't more in depth that they could give me. There wasn't a larger portfolio uh, in terms of an opportunity. So as my husband and I drove and we were heading out to Calgary for the weekend with the kids, we started to have this little brainstorming session about, you know, what if we won the lottery? What would we do? And the conversation was kind of based on, well, we had enough money that we had a nest egg, but probably not enough that we didn't have to work anymore. So we're driving and we're having this conversation and, and his dream was very much, you know, be done work. And I said, you know, if I could do anything, I would want to do something where I started to support these local businesses, provide that marketing expertise that, you know, for example, a franchise has a team of people and a large corporation uh, also has a number of folks where local business you're at the till, you're serving the food, you're doing social media, you're managing a website, you are absolutely doing it all. And so that, by the end of the road trip, became my vision. How can I make this practical? How could I actually bring this to life? And at the time that we had the conversation, the technology just didn't quite exist to be able to bring it to life because from a cost perspective for a local business, it wouldn't work. But in the three years that um, came after that, the technology caught up and then the opportunity sat in front of me one day. So I scooped it up and the rest is history. So it all started with a little seed. A little seed was planted about providing a service the whole entrepreneurial piece, when did that, when did that start to flourish or did, was that all part of the seed? You know, I think it was part of the seed, Peggy. And I always like to say uh, that my business was conceived in the front seat of a hot car on a summer drive and then born on the 4th of July. And there was about a three-year incubation period there, but 
it noodled at me the whole time. I knew that there was, was an opportunity and a potential there. There are thousands, tens of thousands of local businesses in our province, never mind in Western Canada or in our nation. And so I saw such opportunity to support them. So did you actually work on putting that nest egg together? Uh, there was a few pieces that kind of percolated in the back. Um, being a being so comfortable with change, I was actually working in a government organization at that point in time. And there was a, a pretty significant rub that happened. It wasn't a fit for me. Um, I was now that really square peg and maybe I'm actually the round peg versus the square hole and it just didn't fit. So once I knew that the writing on was on the wall in that organization, that's when I decided to make the leap and become an entrepreneur. So I left that organization in about the middle of June that year. And by July 4th, I had registered my website address and was up and running. Wow, very quick. Way to go. How did it go the first couple of months? Did you see complete success and uh, trajectory was, was straight up? Absolutely the opposite. It was pretty much straight down. <laughs> you know, and I like to to acknowledge I did not go into entrepreneurial uh into into the into the entrepreneurial environment uh with any kind of charmed life. I did not have a huge nest egg waiting, but I also knew that my bills were paid because my spouse was still working. Uh I didn't go in with a list of clients who were just chomping at the bit to work with me. Uh, in fact, I had a very small handful of clients to get me started. Uh, and then, you know, anything else that I needed, I didn't necessarily have it right at my disposable. Uh, it didn't have it disposable to me. In my second month of business, my first month went okay. I paid my bills. I made just enough money to cover the bills. Like I, I actually made a little bit of money. The second month in business before paying any expenses, I made $150. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. That didn't pay for anything. So yes, the little bit of money that I had saved up had to pay the bills that month. And I think that I shared with you earlier, I didn't even tell my husband that that was, you know, sort of my contribution to the household for that particular month. So what goes through your mind at end of month two? Are you thinking, oh my gosh, I've made yes. a huge mistake here. And did you did you seriously consider changing paths? Uh, so at the end of month two, I was, yes, I was petrified. I was scared with a word that I shouldn't say on the podcast. Uh, and in my mind, I didn't consider stopping because I, I knew I had some savings set aside. My savings was my limit. In all honesty, I got to within $1,000 of the end of my savings. I knew if I got to the end of that, that I had to think about returning to the corporate environment so that, you know, we could continue to live the lifestyle that we enjoy. What I find really insightful about this, Barb, is, is, is planning and understanding what your limits are. I think so often entrepreneurs will just push it way beyond where they should and they end up being in debt but I think it's really good to to know what your limits are and to stop it there now at that point did you involve your husband in these did he know what was going on 
So I have always looked after our household finance in terms of paying the bills, contributing to RSPs, those sorts of things. So as my savings dwindled down, I did find myself with kind of an eye on, okay, what's going on in the marketplace? Should I start looking? Uh, If I do run out of money, you know, what's the time period I'm going to need to get back into the workforce? So I did kind of have that, I'll say on the side of my desk, but I think it also motivated me because I did not want to have to start sending out resumes. So I think it actually motivated me to work harder. As I got closer and closer to that sort of finish line or have to be finished line, absolutely. Uh, My husband and I sat down a few times and what if and how do and, you know, started to, to have those conversations. And honest to goodness, he is my biggest cheerleader. He believed 110% in what I was doing and in me. And again, I think that motivated me because when you have that kind of support behind you, it didn't even cross his mind that I might fail, right? And so I had to succeed for myself, but also for him because he believed so much in what I was doing. Oh, that's great. I love that. Barb, you you talked about that you made the change later in life. Do you how do you feel about that now? Do you feel do you feel it was too late in life? Do you wish you would have made a change earlier? Or is kind of any time of life right to make change? What do you what do you think about that now that you've made the leap? I think that any time is a good time to make a change if it's the right thing. If you believe in your heart, if you if you can feel it in your heart that this is the right thing to do, I don't think it matters if you're 20 or you're 82. Making a change in life that's going to be good for you and the people around you, I think that's the right thing to do. Do I wish I had done it sooner? You know, it's really easy to say yes But at the same time, I wouldn't have had the same life experiences, which have taught me so much and have helped me succeed along my journey. So, no, I wouldn't go back and do it any different. Everything came together at the right time. And so so I made the leap and it, you know, it was the right time. So how long has the business been operating now, Barb? We're in our fourth year of operation. Okay, great. So you are in the groove. You are, it's all running pretty smoothly right now. (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'd say smooth given the last six months, you know, in the world with COVID. But yeah, I've got a a group of folks that I'm working with on a consistent basis. Uh, We are a virtual agency, which is fairly uncommon. We don't have bricks and mortar anywhere. Uh, and it allows us to be very flexible in the work that we do. So, yeah, we we do. We've got a bit of groove in there. We've got some new programs coming. Uh, we've got a digital program that we offer now. So the pieces have really come together nicely. And you also have a podcast, Above the Fold. Tell us about that. Yes, we sure do. So The Secret Life of Entrepreneurs chronicles the, the secrets and the stories of locally owned businesses. So in some cases, it's the business owner. In some cases, it's someone within the business uh, who joins me on the podcast. But I've been doing that for about three years now. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to talk to a number of folks who 
Otherwise, you know, you'd have a hard time even sitting down and having coffee because you haven't met them before. So this has become my, you know, meet someone for coffee uh, and it's free promotion for their business. So they come in and we chat and right now we have our virtual cup of coffee together, uh, very similar to how we're doing right now. And I get to learn about their business and they get that extra promotion. So I love it. It scratches the other side of the brain for me. So what motivated you? What was the interest in starting a podcast? Because Catherine and I have been down this road, so I'm intrigued. (laughs) Well, I can't remember if I shared this story with you earlier, but a colleague of mine was already doing a radio show uh, on the community radio station here in Regina, and she asked if I would share the time slot with her. So she would do one week, I would do the next, et cetera, et cetera. So we started off with this wonderful sharing arrangement where we alternated weeks and me being a marketer, I had my show on social media and I was sharing pictures of my guests and I was making announcements around my show. I was really working to build interest in my show. And about nine or 10 months after we got going, uh, the other half of the show called me and said, "Um, I'm firing you. (laughs) And I said, Oh, okay. And there was a little bit of a backstory. And so, okay, whatever. Uh, So I actually had to go back to the radio station, apply for my own time slot, and wait while they decided whether or not my show fit the radio station after having been on air for almost a year. Obviously, I was successful and my show was approved and we are still on air here three years later. But it was a bit of an an interesting cycle to go through because, I mean, I had guests lined up, I had promotion lined up, and I had gone from, oh, I, you know, should I do this? I don't know if I want to do this, to, wait a second, this is my show. Like, I want this to continue. And I've had, you know, a very positive response to the show and meeting new folks uh, along the way. That, you know, it's just, again, it's something that fell into place. Um, I don't have to work too hard at it. I get to have these great conversations like I am with you. And yeah, the rest is history. I'm on guest number 66 now. Wow. Good for you. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. You know, Barb, many people talk about how difficult change is for them. And yet you've talked about how you embrace change, you're comfortable with change. And yet change can still bring some stress and some challenges. Are there any insights that you can share with us and and our audience and our listeners about going through change? That's a great question. One of the things that I've really learned over time is to identify what it is about the change that's making me uncomfortable. And by owning and accepting that you don't like something about change, it gives you the power to vocalize it, have the conversations, acknowledge it for what it is. Because sometimes in life, there's things that we, you know, it's changing and and we can still change it more. And in other cases, like it's changing and there's just nothing you can do about it. So being able to call it for what it is, give it words, give it a name, I find very empowering. And I actually 
uh, teach my kids something very similar in terms of, you know, what is it that you don't like about this new classroom or, you know, wearing masks in the classroom or whatever it might be. And I have found that that really helped bring down everyone's discomfort uh, around whatever the change was that's happening. So that's kind of been my little trick along the way is just to to name it and call it and 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 then it helps me deal with it. it it's great advice, isn't it, to to name it because then it doesn't seem so overwhelming once uh, once you've been able to to name it and call it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Barb, this has been terrific. Well, I was just going to say it's it's also uh, when you say name it, it's the same thing with your entrepreneurial story. Until you actually articulated it and talked about it, that's when it started to build some flesh on the bones, so to speak, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's what brought it to life. It's the same with change. It's the same with uh, making that decision to, to become an entrepreneur. It's about naming it, owning it, and then moving forward. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Barb, what a great story. And you're an inspiration to many of of us and and people who are looking to start this journey and also to continue the journey if you've only, even if you've only made $150 in a month. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) There's always a way, I tell you, when you're determined. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. Good for you. Is there some place that uh, people can find you if they're wanting to learn more about your business or your podcast? Uh, Absolutely. So my business is Above the Fold and you can find us on social media at Above the Fold CA or you can find us online at AboveTheFold.live and there's lots of information in both of those places uh, on the secret life of entrepreneurs. So if anyone's interested in being a guest like you two, uh, you'd know where to find the information and, and we could have that conversation. Great. Thanks so much, Barb. Yeah, great conversation. Thanks for being a guest. Absolutely. Thank you again for having me. What a great conversation with Barb. Yeah, it really was. You know, I can relate to Barb's um, experience working in corporate world and, you know, kind of pushing the boundaries and getting that pushback. And, and eventually her deciding it just wasn't a fit anymore. Yeah, and she's done really well, and she's hung in there. And I really think the the thing that she said about having to name it and call it, uh, you know, around even you know, entrepreneur being an entrepreneur, or about change, I think is really relevant because we you can sit there and be emotional, and you can have fear and anxiety, but you, if you can name it and and call it what it is, I think that will help you to move forward as well. If you've learned just one thing about change while listening to this podcast, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify and share with a friend. This episode recorded via Zoom audio. Producers Peggy Koenig and Catherine Greiba. Executive producer Koenig Leadership Advisory. Audio editing and production Big Bang Studios. Sound engineer Hal Schrank. Theme music La Pompée, written by Chris Harrington, music publisher Invato Market. For information on this podcast and to purchase some fabulous goat merchandise, please visit www.getyourgoat.ca.